Hi, and welcome to the Music Box Podcast, otherwise known as MVP, where we talk about all things Music Box. That is the Music Box Theater in Chicago. On today's show, we talk with Michael Rothman and Kyle Schuber about the upcoming shows this week. We've got Three Identical Strangers, the continuation of the Curtiz Matinees, Mad Max at Midnight, some other upcoming films and events, as well as a This Old Theater ghost story, because, you know, why not? Well, you all know me. I'm Ryan Ostrike. I'm the GM of the Music Box, and I'm your host of the Music Box uh, podcast. And let's uh, let's bring on our guests. Who do we have today? I'm Kyle Chuber, Operations Manager at the Music Box. I'm Michael Rothman, President and Editor-in-Chief of Consequence of Sound. So that might be strange to hear, Music Box podcasters. We're having somebody who is not directly involved with the Music <laughs> Box on the podcast, which is Michael Rothman of Consequence of Sound. However, we actually have a long relationship with Consequence of Sound and, and Michael with some cool programming, and we kind of have this really cool event coming up, so it makes great tie-in to have Michael on, because he, he knows movies, he knows Chicago, he <laughs> knows the Music Box, and we get to talk about all things Stephen King. Love Stephen King. See? See? It's going to work out. Bringing on the expert. Okay. Yeah, why not? Can we call you an expert, Michael? I would, uh, a constant uh, reader. Constant reader uh, <laughs> uh, of King. Of King, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, then we'll, we'll figure out uh, some terminology to put on our, our notes section <laughs> so everybody gets you correct. Sweet, um, sweet. All right, well, let's jump into this madness. What are we currently playing right now? Well, we, uh, I think everybody slept for like a couple of days, but uh, that's staff-wise, because we were catching up from our uh, genre film festival. Uh, But in reality, uh, the movies kept playing, and you guys came out, that is you, the listeners. Um, We are currently playing American Animals, which we just decided to hold over through July 12th. Kylie, did you see that one? I did. I saw it about two weeks ago. Kind of reminds me of a heist version of Bernie. (laughs) Interesting. How about you, Rothman? I have not seen this one. I've been dying to, though. Um, well, you have a whole nother week, and, I'm, and people are liking it, so I would recommend it to come out. And we're also playing and holding over through July 12th a little film called Damsel. Anybody see that one? I love this one. You did see it? Yeah, I really like this one. I saw this one during the Chicago Critics Film Festival here a couple of months ago, and it's, uh, it's surprising. It takes some twists and turns that shocked even me when uh while watching it and and i don't know there's just a lot of interesting uh narrative leaps that you know it takes that are actually a lot more inventive uh than they are than they would seem on paper so when you're watching it and you're just so enwrapped with the actual lead and then all of a sudden it's just interesting yeah you'll just you'll have to and you like you liked our our buddy our pats was he hey i love our pats you know it's a good time just like last year exactly Uh, you know oh good fun i like that which by the way we loved that movie last year we actually brought it back it's last year for sure um we were like yeah this is a good movie it should show in chicago even longer i was uh, i was Um, bummed out he wasn't uh nominated for anything i thought that yeah i thought thought there was a lot of talk about him last year it's all politics in the end really did he piss somebody off? I wouldn't be surprised. He kind of operates on the fringe of larger movies and kind of the independent theme. So it's... Uh, must have been it, co- it, be it must have been Cosmopolis be pissed everybody yeah, off. I was going to say, he's, he's pals with David Cronenberg, so maybe he got that like punk edge to him that he's just... Now he's on the fringe. Was it the David Cronenberg effect? I yeah, it could be. That's too bad. Because I love Cronenberg. That's love a guy Cronenberg. we need to do a, a series on. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, well, that's what we get, currently have, and both films continuing through 12. Uh, let's jump into what's coming this weekend. Um, that is July 6th. Um, the, uh, the the theatrical film that we're going to open is this wonderful documentary called Three Identical Strangers. Um, nobody here has seen, seen the film through and through. I've seen only tidbits of it. So Kyle here is going to tell you a little bit about it from the synopsis that we wrote uh, for the calendar. 
Tim Wardle's acclaimed documentary, Three Identical Strangers, is the most amazing, incredible, remarkable true story ever told. Three strangers are reunited by astonishing coincidence after being born identical triplets, separated at birth, and adopted by three different families. Their jaw-dropping, feel-good story instantly becomes a global sensation complete with fame and celebrity. However, the fairy tale reunion sets in motion a series of events that unearths unimaginable secret, a secret with radical repercussions for us all. Three Identical Strangers is an exuberant celebration of family that transforms into a thriller with colossal implications and proof that life is truly stranger than fiction. Well, hopefully we didn't bore you with that reading, but I promise you this is a great film. The reviews out of New York and L.A.'s opening this past weekend are glowing. Audience, the word of mouth is very strong, and you know, it's, you know, now it's time for Chicago to get a little bit of that love, and we've got the exclusive for you with Three Identical Strangers, and we're hoping to run it for a couple of weeks, so we hope you come out this weekend, but you know, we will give you some extra time on it, so um, you're all invited. Hey, can't wait. Uh, it looks like, judging from the trailer, uh, kind of similar to Damsel, where you just keep pulling at the thread and uh, takes you in different turns. So yeah, that's know. good. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Gonna jump around here to my uh, po- panelists uh, on this podcast and jump down and then jump back up. But we're, I want to jump to our midnight movie, uh, which is Mad Max: Fury Road. Oh yeah. Uh, have you guys seen it? Multiple times. Oh, God, four or five times now. Yeah. <laughs> three, three times alone here, I would say. Black and Chrome or as a midnight even. Yeah, the Chrome was, was sick. That was, uh, I think that was, was two a lot years of ago or something. That was two years ago. It was like, November yeah. of 2016. Yeah, yeah. Great um, great month for this country. No, I'm sorry. Oh. It, was, it was so well planned and not planned because it was the earliest I could get Black and Chrome on the screen. And then it happened to be uh, perfectly timed for people to uh, need to see one badass woman take down one disgusting human being. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a bit of a cathartic screening that I uh, that we had because I remember that Friday night at was it seven or nine thirty was the first one. It was like four hundred people, and I was in there, and everybody huge, wanted huge uh, Furiosa to just kind of yeah. tear apart that that bullshit patriarchy that that world create. Well, God, I mean, I, I'm representative of other worlds, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes when you program things, you don't realize the world around you that will sort of uh, feed into it. You yeah. know, certain movies have way more. I don't know how to say it, uh, sort of timeliness to them yeah. uh, when played at the right time. And that one did. And yeah, I just, I'll, that's a screening I'll never forget. <laughs> but honestly, it's it's just a, I think there's always a great time for this movie. I, th- I think it's one of the, the rare blockbusters, at least in this day and age, where it just feels kind of like what the event pictures were back in like the 80s and 90s. Again, I mean, granted, it's Mad Max, so it has its ties to the 80s and whatnot. And But at the same time, it, just, it felt like such a special blockbuster that I think I got, like even just in the first screening of seeing it, like back in 2015, it was, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's I remember... May, May 2015. It's, just, it's unbelievable. And it's still, it's just like the way George Miller mixes those practical effects with like the, the traditional CGI stuff is just, I wish more directors did it these days. And oh, I couldn't agree with you yeah. more. Just hearing the stories of the guy with the flaming guitar oh, man. on yeah. front of everyone, the uh, Everyone truck. wants to know about him all the time. Yeah, yeah. Dorf. Is he Dorf? Is his name Dorf? I think Dorf, his name. yeah. Dorf, uh, yeah. Something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got check out the credits on that movie. Just trust me. It's fun <laughs> to see all the, the names of the people that uh, George Miller had. Um, but yeah, Mad Max is Midnight, and that's a that's a Midnight where you probably maybe you pay attention to the Midnight programming, which is something that I oversee. But that's one that I'm doing annually now, um, just because there's so there's so much to that film, and yeah. it, like you were saying, it's like start to finish, and it yeah. works at midnight because it keeps you awake and oh, yeah. in it. That I just you know I think annually I'm just going to keep bringing it back because I think there's an audience for it and a reason to show it. And plus, it it's on 35, so why not? Totally. Uh, let's jump back up to uh, 
the other thing I was going to talk about, which is our Curtis series continuing. Our, that's our matinee series of Michael Curtis films. Uh, we've got The Seahawk uh, on Saturday and Sunday at 11.30 a.m. That's July 7th and 8th. Um, I don't believe anybody here at, on this podcast has, has seen the movie, um, so that's a good reason, right? That means we haven't seen it. Let's go see it. I've been using um, this as a chance to build up my Curtis knowledge, having watched most of them over the past few weeks. But that's, a great hundred, exposure. that's 150 notches you have to do on that belt. Sure, but we're going to hit the highlights first, <laughs> and then we'll parse down from there. Okay, I'm sorry, yes. You're not like really d- jumping in the deep end, neither are we. You know, We're just showing eight. But the Seahawk, for those who don't know what it is about, sorry, I'm just going to read a little capsule about it real quickly. Here we go. High seas privateers plunder across the screen in this fleet empire. Fleet pirate saga with timely interventionist message. Queen Elizabeth is counseled to appease Spain and ignore its growing armada, but Captain Joffrey Thorpe, otherwise Errol Flynn, knows better and recognizes a military threat when he sees one. Building upon the spectacle of their earlier Captain Blood, Curtis and Flynn achieve the zenith of the seafaring genre. Well, now that's something I haven't seen in a while. The zenith of a seafaring (laughs) genre. So if I can't convince you, listener, uh, on those words themselves, uh, then... I can't convince you. It's interesting that he followed that up the, the, the next year with The Sea Wolf. That's right. You know, and then it's not a sequel, though. Nope. No. Interesting. Yeah. Good old critiques. Yeah. yeah. You know, we'll have to yeah. read the biography um, <laughs> and, watch, was... and watch the other 149 films that I haven't seen. No, I'm kidding. I've seen more critiques than that. Yeah, okay. looking at his filmography is 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 daunting. It's too, yeah. it's too oh my much. God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like the modern uh, or like the modern equivalent would be what um, uh, Takashi Miyake. Yeah, Miyake? yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce it? Takashi Miyake. I yeah. think that's, that sounds better. That sounds right. Yeah, but just in terms of number of times you've directed a movie. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, I mean, in the studio system, he could because they kept you know kept you know kind of putting it together and put it in front of him, and they had a whole kind of system to make these turn these things out faster. Yeah. But still, that's so much time and effort. Um, and then uh, the other thing we want to talk about with, with what's coming up is the Robin Williams series uh, will continue because uh, if you weren't there on Tuesday for Aladdin, uh, which is actually after when we record this podcast, <laughs> so none of us can say we were there. Um, but if you weren't there um, and you want to jump into the Robin Williams series or if you want to continue it, we've got the 25th anniversary of Mrs. Doubtfire on 35mm on uh, July 10th at 7pm. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think people are excited about seeing this movie again. I'm personally excited. I watched it again this last weekend when I went home, and it might have already have been the second or third time I've seen it this year. Just something about this movie uh, sticks with me nostalgically, and uh, I mean, Robin Williams is all over the place uh, in this movie, and it's it's so impressive to see him hold together this act as geriatric woman to, <laughs> to stay in his kids' lives. Um, I I just absolutely love it. It's so damn funny. Do, do you think they, they came up with the idea for this movie by um, melding uh, two Dustin Hoffman movies together? Like <laughs> I think Tootsie so. Tootsie and Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> like, it's pretty oh, much, that, that that's is pretty great, much the movie. You're very right. right. I mean, yeah. I, but I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, there is, I love this movie, and this is actually um, one of the, the films that's been, I've actually haven't gone back to yet, uh, you know, post um, Robin's uh, death. Sure. And, um, I, but the thing that's interesting is that, like, I feel like with my generation, I was born in like 84 and it was like right when I feel like divorce was just like so trendy in the sense like literally everyone I knew growing up was their parents were getting a divorce. I think like mine got divorced like two, two years before Mrs. Doubtfire came out and it just felt like 
this like sort of knowing glance. I remember even as like 10 year old going to see this being like, oh yeah, I, I, I understand what's going on here. Like, even though like, cause it's like a pretty serious drama when you like get past yeah, like a lot of the stuff. Moments. Sally Field is um, kind of ruthless uh, yeah. in her inner treatment of her ex-husband in this movie. It's usually not the role she takes on. No, no. Although I, I will, I will say the scene in the restaurant when he has to go back and forth to the bathroom, I'm pretty sure is where I started um, learning how to understand what anxiety is. I think so. <laughs> like as a kid, just being like, "Oh, so this is what that feeling of stress is like supposed to really be." Interesting. Okay. I think Broad City did an episode of that uh, a yeah. year or two ago, right? They did. Yeah, yeah. That was great. That was great. Um, speaking of which, you know, going back and revisiting work after people had passed away, I think sharing for me, I don't, I don't know if I'll, the two of you want to share, but uh, the first film that I went back to after Robin passed was The Birdcage. Oh, God, I love The Birdcage. Um, and I remember my wife put it on when I came home, and she's like, let's just let's just watch this a little yeah. while. And it was just such a sad and bittersweet laugh and, you know, kind of melody. You know, just, I don't know. It just looks like, yeah, I think sometimes you do that, you know, where you just really want to remember somebody and also experience their work again. Yeah. Did you guys Definitely. have... Mrs. Doubtfire for that's me, a, that, 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 that or Aladdin, right probably. Those are the two that are really. Uh, but the, you went, you watched those recent, at, like closely after he passed. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I, I think it was Aladdin first, then Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, for me, it was um, like Goodwill Hunting. I just oh, wow. I love yeah. that movie, um, and I still think that. I mean, just even watching that when it first came out, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, he won the, the Academy Award. Like there's absolutely yeah. no <laughs> dispute about that. And it was actually a really hard year that year. Um, Cause I think it was a Goodwill Hunting was up against like, it was like a, it was a, no pun intended, a Titanic year. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so we had like, you know, it, just a ton of stuff that was going against him. But yeah, I mean, that's still my favorite performance with him in it. And just that ending now has so much more weight. It's like just, uh, it's just hard to, to watch that one, but it's love them. I mean, it's just, it's, it's still, it's still kind of crazy. Like almost like pinch your arm. Like I can't believe he's gone actually, but, um, very excited to see Aladdin and, uh, or sorry. It's okay. Yeah, I, if you've seen Aladdin, yeah. great. And yeah. Michael's coming tomorrow night to see it. Like, oh, yeah. Because again, we're recording this on Monday, but you're going to hear it on Wednesday. So Aladdin is happening in this weird ether time that we, nobody can tangibly be in. I mean, in, the funny thing about Aladdin is that, like, I think, like, Disney, and I don't even know if they would do this anymore, but they just kind of just let him go and just record anything. There's like, a lot of, there oh. were a lot of rights issues with things in terms of how his image was. It had to take up, like, less than 50% of the marketing, and he retained some of the creative rights after the fact. Uh, it was, like, a very protected role. Yeah. Uh, insulated him from being exploited, uh, essentially. Yeah. I did not know all of this. Yeah, and I just love how, like, because apparently there are, like, hours of unused dialogue that he just let him just kind of go. Can and we hear that somewhere? I, I really I would, would love it. that. Yeah, Disney should just, like, upload it to YouTube and stuff. I'm sure a oh, lot of it's, like... Oh, they're so protective. Oh, you, yeah, Disney is a vault. the streaming service will be for. They're, yeah, like, right? a bank vault, seriously, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that you just cannot crack. Oh, my God. I think I've explained my uh, <laughs> frustrations with Disney in the past on this podcast. I was going to say, that's, it's interesting you you managed to get Aladdin, though. So that's... Uh, yeah, I mean, we put it out there. I mean, I was like, I was like, you were going to make or break our series, you know? <laughs> Entirely, and, yeah. yeah. And we got it. So, yeah, I was surprised, too. I mean, sometimes you build on a relationship, you know, yeah. because I think we kind of cracked the Disney thing. Uh, maybe a year or two years ago with, 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 with one booking. I can't remember what it was. It was Wally. Sleeping Beauty, right? Well, it was Sleeping Beauty. Wally, Wally first. Oh, that, no, no, you're right. That's started, how we cracked we it. Oh, interesting. It was we did Wally. the educational part with them. And that's Cinema how Science. I got it because of the educational part. I wrote uh, a whole thing of why and had one of the scientists like 
put, type, put in like how they were going to talk about it. And I think that's how we opened the door. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you for the mem- that memory. Yeah, we showed Wally back when we had Cinema Science with the, the Field Museum, which is a, a defunct series. I'm sorry, Aww. listeners. If you loved it, please comment, write me that you want it back or what you liked <laughs> about it. Uh, you know, sometimes we are democratic in those ways. Um, but yes, I'm excited for Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, I hope to see some of you out. I know uh, Buck Lepard, who programmed the series, will be out and be very excited for that one. I think, actually, Doubtfire is how we started the entire series, because he really mm-hmm. wanted to show it because of the 25th anniversary. Yeah. And I love Robin so much, as I was, as we've been talking about it, that I was like, Buck, why don't you, you know, sort of expand it. it and do Tuesdays with Robin and take July, which gives you the most Tuesdays. There's five. Uh, and then we added the, uh, the Come Inside My Mind documentary for members yeah. uh, on Monday, July uh, 9th. Um, so if you're a member out there, remember, you can come Monday, July 9th and see the Come Inside My Mind documentary before it appear, premieres on HBO. And so we created this whole series around Buck's one interest in seeing Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> but that's awesome, though. Uh, on 35. Because uh, sometimes, you know, you get a good idea and you're like, oh, this could expand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's what's coming up this week. Um, let's talk about what, uh, what's coming up beyond that. And since we have Michael on, uh, and he is uh, the originator of the idea of the Stephen King Festival, um, we can dive in a little bit into what is going to be that Stephen King Festival. So I'll just, I'll just, I'm going to tee up here, Michael. Okay. Stephen King Film Festival is July 27th through the 28th. It's presented by the Music Box Theater as well as Consequence of Sound and the Losers Club, uh, Losers Club Podcast. So give us a little backstory of how this thing, this idea, this <laughs> event came to be. Well, I mean, we'd always been talking about, so we started this Stephen King podcast as a lark in like early of 2017, just because we kind of just wanted a reading club for our friends just to start going through his books chronologically. And we've read the majority of his works, but there are a lot that I hadn't, you know, read and there's a lot that I hadn't read since I was a teenager. So we just started it and it kind of really gained some momentum and the the thing that we kind of shot ourselves in the foot was our first episode was like four and a half hours on Carrie and we like literally covered everything everything like every I mean we covered the musical we covered every adaptation we covered the defunct tv show that they were going to do the craft services for the uh, movie (laughs) yeah right (laughs) we covered everything and but we were like well this is just fun for us like we'll we'll see how this goes and then People really liked the length. They were like, finally, a comprehensive Stephen King podcast. And we were like, "Uh uh-oh. And so literally every episode, we were doing a book every two weeks. And then finally, we stretched that out. And we were like, okay, let's do a news episode. Let's do that. So ever since then, we've just been trying to evolve and expand as much as possible. And we actually did, uh, you know, Ryan, the two of us, we did the Carrie event, um, like a 70s-style prom here at the the Music Box in 2015. With some theatrics and stupid things that we all kind of had fun with. (laughs) Yeah, so we had like a lot of people, because a lot of my um, friends here in Chicago um, or were theater um, kids, basically. They, they ran a lot of theater companies, so we, and they were all Stephen King fans, so we all dressed up as different characters. And so while we're doing this podcast over the last year, and then obviously Stephen King started to become even bigger, uh, especially with the success of It last September, uh, it just started, the, the idea of wanting to do some sort of film festival and just knowing that that hadn't really happened yet. I mean, there have been events in particular cities that show a few different films and stuff like that, but just an actual festival modeled similar to how you do the music box of horrors or the massacre was years ago just any of those just thought it would be really cool to do something that would be based on stephen king and you know so when castle rock came around for hulu and you gave me the call saying like look i think this is a good timing for it well that and it's a good idea and it's like what i wanted to get 
through to you is I really like this idea. Yeah, yeah. When is the timing going to work yeah. and when am I available? So yeah. that Castle Rock yeah. announcement plus I just randomly had this weekend in July that was like, hey, I need to fill this. <laughs> Can There's we put these things together? So I called you. I think I called her. I texted you. It was like, like that morning. Yeah. Like I was like, hey, I just got out of this meeting. Can we make this work? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just crazy because like Hulu has been so secretive about this show that they didn't even have the release date for it until like that day that you you know messaged me about the fest. So very excited about this. Uh, we've the we're basically kind of trying to model it off of the actual show that's going to be on uh, Hulu that premieres. The first three episodes actually premieres on July 25th on Wednesday. And we're trying to basically create this idea that we're going to bring you to Castle Rock through his past movies. So the title of the festival is, is uh, Greetings from Castle Rock. Uh, and uh, based on some of the trailers that we've been putting together, we're trying to make this idea that we're, you know, you're visiting this town through, through films with you know, a little other Stephen King offerings reserved for the Midnight uh, Fair because so, he just has so many other stories and so many other films. But uh, did you do we want to go through some of the movies or why not? We okay. want to hey, I think the listeners saying yes. I want to know what the hell is going to be in this fest. I mean, I mean, they can probably guess because we're talking at Castle Rock. But yes, yeah. I think you need to tell us what's coming. Okay. Well, for the Castle Rock centric films, we're going to be doing Stand by Me. You know, we follow a bunch of kids wandering through the town uh, and outside of the town actually to go find a body because that's what all of us do on summers when we we're ten years old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or when you live in rural wherever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we're also going to be doing Cujo because uh, if we're not uh, looking for bodies, we're running away from killer dogs. Uh, and uh, that also takes place in Joe Camber's lot up uh, up the up the mountain on uh, Castle Rock. And then we're also going to be going to Needful Things, a new store that opened up downtown in Castle Rock, uh, and starring uh, Max von Sydow, who I love, love him, love Sorry, him. Sorry, I just gotta put that out there. Yeah, love Max. And I, and I, I think like I think he really loves that role as Leland Gaunt. Also, I, I think he did, you, like. Did he, was there like interviews and things I, like I, him I, talking about it? Just, it? it there's, it, I feel like he's um, there's just something about his performance, and I, I he's commented on them in the past, but. Nobody's ever really shown a spotlight on him really before for it, but he's just great in this. Like he, he just, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting movie, but he just like absolutely steals the spotlight every time he's in it. And you could just tell that he's, there's just, it's just a different type of performance from him. Totally. Um, the trailer for it, I've never seen this movie before, but just his, his interactions in it make me want to watch the film. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to schedule you the day that Needful Things plays just so you, you have to be here to watch it because I, <laughs> I want make the to schedule. Make sure, it doesn't work that way. I want to make sure you're here. <laughs> and uh, touche. Um, well, there, there are also a string of murders going on in Castle Rock and, uh, and looks like uh, Sheriff Bannerman can't solve it. So he's got to call psychic Johnny Smith in David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone, which is also going to be part Perfect. of the lineup. Love uh, Christopher Walken. And if you want to have some good quotable Christopher Walken, he's got some great ones like, uh, the ice is going to break. Uh, there's a lot of no, no, a lot no, of that online. Felt like you was pacing right of your words there was very Christopher Walken. <laughs> it's tr- trying to keep it, you know, trying to keep it Walken. Great in this movie. Uh, love him. It's also a very dark film and very cold film. So uh, perfect for the summer. Uh, if you want to get away from the 95 to 100 degree weather, uh, which yeah, will we, probably be that when it's it's, <laughs> it's July, it's yeah. gonna be hot. Uh, and then and then uh, one more uh, big spooky one uh, for Castle Rock centric films that we could absolutely confirm right now is The Mist. Now in the book, it doesn't actually take place in uh, Castle Rock, but in the film, Frank Darabont's uh, film, 
it uh, does take place there. And uh, let's just say the town doesn't exist anymore after at the end of that movie. So no. very scary. Very scary. Um, probably one of the more frightening films of the last uh, 20 years in terms of monsters. Uh, it's just very unforgiving. So Totally. Oh, know. yeah, that film messed me up. <laughs> it's just... And if, listener, you're listening and you've seen this, you probably know why. And if, listeners, you're listening and you haven't seen this and you don't like horror, I'm not going to recommend. But if you do, you better be there because putting my stamp of approval on it, which I don't know if I've ever stamped approval of any. Maybe I did once or twice in this podcast. I'd have to check myself on that. But definitely a stamping the must-see of The Mist if you like those types of horror movies. And the claustrophobia the... of it is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, the way everyone's just pinned inside the stores the entire time, and then you don't know what's coming around which way, and any open doorway is a threat. And I'm a huge sucker for Thomas Jane movies. Uh, yes, love Thomas Jane. <laughs> and this is like peak Jane. So uh, we're huge fans of Thomas Jane on the podcast. We actually talked to him last year, and he spent 45 minutes uh, talking about Absinthe um, <laughs> that he took when he, uh, with uh, his co-stars of Dreamcatcher, uh, which is it's a, it's a fun interview. But This is also the first time we've ever had a peak Jane comment oh, on, really? yeah. on our <laughs> podcast, on the MVP nice. podcast. Nice, nice. Yeah, so and there are a couple other ones. We get for midnight. We have uh, the stories outside Castle Rock, which is uh, Friday. We're going to be uh, doing Creep Show, George Romero's uh, anthology of very scary stories. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, uh, the late George Romero. And uh, for uh, midnight Saturday, we'll be doing Mary Lambert's Pet Cemetery. So you can see that before you go see uh, Dennis Widmar and Kevin Kolsch's remake in 2019. So, yeah, that's coming, which yeah. I'm, I'm actually, you know, I don't like a lot of remakes, but I'm excited for that one. Yeah, me too. Because I, I think I think Pet Summer, you can, there's a lot you can still play with. Oh, know? totally. And, 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 and then no matter what, the 90s Pet Cemetery, I think, will always have its place. Oh, yeah. There's just some things in it that I've been watching as a kid. It just scared me. Yeah. Really scared me. I yeah. probably watched it way too young. Yeah. I, probably, I think I literally watched it when it came out, so I was young. But anyway, yeah. No, really it was good. it was one of those movies where I just did not want to watch alone. Uh, I would always watch with friends, but if it was on HBO or something like that late at night, I'd just feel like there's something like just inherently evil about this movie, just because there's just yeah. it's like there's this hopelessness to it that's through just and awful. through. It's evil. Yeah, I think yeah. I watched it with like friends at a sleepover. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it works. But we got some other ones, but I think we'll leave. Yeah, we're gonna wait for... a little bit, but you're gonna know about them at the end of this week um, because. Passes are on sale now, and I think they're like forty or forty-five bucks. You can see everything. In that yeah, so it's like remember. nine films or something you can see for like forty-five bucks, which is fantastic pricing. Um, and of course, if you're a member, discounts. But then we'll have single tickets up on sale this coming Friday, which is the schedule. So I know you'll be listening maybe Wednesday or Thursday, but again, everything else will be coming on Friday, so you can buy your pass or you can get your single tickets uh, very soon, as well as the other films that we have yet to announce, which you know we're teasing. Uh, you know some some of it now. Um, so I think it's, you're going to be very excited about what's coming. And also, there's going to be some other fun elements to it. We're going to have some vendors who are going to be selling some stuff, kind of like Music Box of Horrors, if you've ever been here for that. Uh, we're going to work on some themed drinks. And we're going to have a live recording of the Losers Club podcast, which, have you ever done a live recording of your podcast? We've never done a live recording, so this is a first for us. We've done events before, but never uh, recorded them there. So this will be an interesting uh, thing, and we have some ideas. So we got some fun, we got a, a little uh, live component that uh, we're working oh, on right now. So, okay, yeah, I like yeah, that. A little and, shake and, up. and there's going to be some guests, yeah. too, yeah, that we'll you'll, have, you'll have on, on the podcast. So yeah. all that to come as well. Um, but anyway, yeah, this is 
is the first of what I hope to be more, I'll say that, of the Stephen King Film Festival because, I mean, let's just put it out there. Stephen King's name is on so much. He's got 40, much. 40 years of material to work Well, with, yeah, though. not just that, but, I mean, how many film and TV adaptation credits does he have? Oh, it, the, the, it's infinite now is at this point. more than Michael Curtiz? I mean, no, it, no, no, it, <laughs> I don't think it's that far. It might, it but might, literally, like, you could not try to... I think if you tried to show everything of his in one week of time, there's still not enough hours there's not, in a day. No, because we, we, we did a ranking last year of every film and TV property at that point. Um, and it was something over 100 properties that we had on there. Wow. And it was, it was pretty intense. more than I would have thought Which is fantastic. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, if you ask me, like, how can you do something with this and like continue it on an annual basis, Stephen King's great. Yeah. Because not only do you have everything that's been done, you have this continuous interest, continual yeah. interest in him. Um, so you can, by the time you get to it, you could be showing things that now seem like a couple of years old and oh, yeah. like worth revisiting. So... Um, which is why I like this as a, as a film fest, whether it's a two day thing or we create maybe a one day thing. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for people. And he's not going anywhere. I mean, no, literally no. every hour every of every day, there's some sort of rumbling that's going on with like a new property that's announced. And I know because I have to write it on consequence of sound, uh, net where we uh, write news 24 seven. And it's literally every day there's either an update of one of the new Stephen King films or TV shows, or there's something else that's announced. They've even started announcing, they've even started announcing um, movies and adaptations of books that he hasn't even finished publishing. Yet. What? Yeah. Really? It's insane. So it's, it's wild. Like keeping you busy over there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a good time to be, um, a constant reader, a constant listener. So cool. And um, what's that website again that you you are uh, attached to? <laughs> consequenceofsound.net cool so you're going to find out more about the festival there you can find out more about it on our website um, now we got to jump into the this old theater segment which was uh, pre-recorded so let's jump over there welcome back podcast listeners on this section of this old theater uh, we wanted to bring in a uh, an employee who used to work uh, for the music box theater but has now a job at music box films um, and I thought it would be very interesting to uh, talk to her and hear a little bit about maybe the theater of your um, well before me uh, you know as I've said I've only been here three three uh three years um and wherever that conversation goes so i would like to welcome uh lindsey jacobs uh to the podcast this is up guys first. how's it going welcome lindsey um so tell us when did you start working for the for the for the theater i started working at the music box the day i graduated from college in 2009 so a very long time ago december 2009 wow so it's almost 10 years you've been with the company unfortunately yeah <laughs> So what was it it's like back in 2009? Uh, the theater's a lot different. It was way different when I used to work here. Um, the staff was a fraction of the size. I think number one, maybe 10 of us worked here in 2009. Like, oh, like wow, that's small. Consistently, and then there were seasonal people that would come in. Um, but it's a much, much different place now. Way less grimy, much different place. We've been cleaning it up over the years. It, it does look legit cleaner, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, I used to fill in as like janitor sometimes, so I was not. Oh, wow. But you were also a projectionist, weren't you? Yes. I started on the floor, and then I was a projectionist, uh, sometimes janitor. Um, And now I uh, do material delivery over at Films. 
What's material delivery? At, this is what Music Box Films is a distribution company, which was born out of the theater when you were here. Correct. So, but so, what is material delivery? So basically what I do is I do the technical end of Music Box Films. So after uh, we buy a film, what happens next? I'm that person. Uh, so I'm the person who then talks to, whether it be the producer or the sales agent, um, and starts negotiating the actual physical elements of the film to be given to us. Uh, so that means you know, the actual feature file, all audio, all art files, all stills, anything that you can imagine you need to release a film, I have to get for us. Wow, um, so all the really important parts. That's what I think. Right, like we have to, we have to get that film out to the theaters. We have to uh, create marketing materials. We have to do all of those things. So you, you, you're, you handed it very early on. Yeah, I'm one of the only ones in the office too who has to go from absolute day one on one of these films all the way through home entertainment. Once we're already out on DVD, already out on Blu-ray, it's one of the few positions. Um, you know, I did sound in film school, and I'm not even getting close enough to this microphone. Um, so yeah, I'm one of the few positions that kind of straddles both ends of it. So I see it through for a long, long time. Wow. Interesting. Um, oh, okay. So let's talk a little bit about the theater. Um, so good times. Good right, times. So, so one thing you, one thing you, you said to me when I was asking if you wanted to be on the podcast, don't do you want me to talk about ghosts? And I said, that's up to you. That's the first thing I said. Do you want to talk about ghosts? I 1,000% would like to talk about ghosts. <laughs> Why do you want to talk about ghosts? Because a man died on that couch. <laughs> Which couch? That one, right. It's been reupholstered. In the lounge? The lounge didn't exist yet. I know, but the couch that's in the lounge. I, for nine years, I've been under the impression that a former, a very long time ago, a former manager of this theater in his old age, while sleeping... Just kind of drifted couch. off. I used to nap on that couch all the time. It's been reupholstered. But reupholstered doesn't mean that this whatever happened goes away. Oh no, his death is still there. <laughs> yeah, you feel. Oh, that's weird. But no, but he's so, the guy okay, who but, haunts but, the theater. But then. have you been haunted by this guy? Yes, I have, and I know people are going to be like, oh, "You're an idiot. That's not true." But I swear to God. Well, you you're, you have the mic. Tell us about this haunting. So, you know, this theater's a creepy place, specifically when you're here, like, alone in the middle of the night. Um, and the projection booths, particularly, are very creepy. Uh, so one time, I want to say maybe, God, when did I stop working at this theater? 2013? Maybe in, like, 2010, 2011? Um, I was doing a changeover in Theater 2, which is when films were still on film. We were Perfect. showing everything on film back then. Um, so I was in the booth waiting to do the changeover, and I kind of got, you know that feeling when like, you can just like, feel someone's looking at you? Yeah. So like, that feeling was just kind of overwhelmed me. Um, but uh, for when we used to project film on actual film, in order to do the changeover, it's you have to watch the screen, and it's like Fight Club. You wait for that little cigarette burn, and then all this stuff has to go at the exact same time. So you can't really look away if you're looking for it. Yeah. So I was standing there waiting for the changeover, wait, waiting for the changeover, just get this overwhelming sense that someone's looking at me, and I turn around, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to risk it, turn around, and I swear to God, I swear, there was a man standing right there behind me in this kind of like period suit, and it was like, it wasn't scary, it's, it was like very kind of like calm, which was weird, um, but like I just looked at it and went, all right turned around, back to the screen, saw the changeover, did that, and then ran out of that booth. <laughs> did you say anything to the, uh, the, the, the ghost? The, no, because you also got to be quiet in those booths. 
Ah, <laughs> That's the other yeah. thing I knew. If I made too much noise, then everybody would hear me in the theater. So Right, right. Yeah. So you had to like hold your scream. <laughs> yeah, I had to hold it in. Did you tell anybody about this after? Oh, I've discussed it with numerous people at this theater, Ernie specifically. Um, Ernestina but, is one of our longest running managers. Yes, I think a lot we, of we worked together here. Have, have interacted with Ernie. But uh, I totally stand by, and I'm not like a, you know, like a weird, like I, I stand by this one, like ghost sighting that I had. I've not seen many a ghost, just this one. So would you call this ghost Whitey? Yes, that's his name. Yeah. Okay. That but was the actual man's Whitey, name. Yes. The one you think you, that you, the one that you saw would be Whitey. Yes. And I recently saw like a picture of Whitey, which I had never seen before. And it was the exact image that I saw. All those years ago, so in that ghost hunters out there, we have a we have a we have a proof of a sighting and story testimonial of that sighting here at the Music Box Theater. But which booth was this in? This was booth two. Now booth okay, two so is a lot different, right? Since then, as because now, Cause do you guys still have film it. projectors in there, or did you we pull do, those out? We still have film projectors in there, but, but there's a lot the more, DCP. yeah, digital it's stuff little, in there. A little now. bit more crowded in there, but you know, we ha- we also soundproofed it better. That's good for so, a room you know, that was already could, very you crowded. You could scream in there and. Still be kind of heard, but not as heard. Uh, Which kind of sounds like a weird horror movie that I'm selling. You could scream in there and be heard, but not be heard. I don't know what kind of horror movie that is. Sounds sounds kind of weird. That sounds that's not a good sales pitch. We gotta. I gotta. I gotta be better. They're safe. Don't worry. The boots are safe. Run. I got you, Ryan. They're safe enough. Well, there's locks on them now. So there are. You're right. There were no locks when I worked here. Or lock a ghost in. Ghosts can't be held by doors and locks, Ryan. That's ridiculous. They just go through walls and whatnot. They're I'm just, apparitions. I'm just so obvious in what little <laughs> I know about ghosts. So, uh, you know, that's just how it is. Um, okay, well, okay. So, 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 did you ever see him again? See the ghost? No, that's the only time I ever okay. saw Whitey. So it was the only time Whitey made himself apparent to you? To me, yes. Mm-hmm. But I know, I've heard these stories about other, other Whitey sightings. Oh, yeah. I know. I've talked to other people who have seen him, so yeah. I know I'm not alone. Yeah. Somebody was just telling me the other day that they had some weird thing with their watch or something, like a mechanical watch, and they're like, oh, it's just Whitey messing with me. It's definitely what it is. His, yeah. like, his spirit like, is just going like, to look over this building forever. Maybe He's here forever. That's why Music forever. Box of Horrors is so good. Because Whitey's here? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I feel like we should have a real ghost hunters here. What do you think? I would love if we did that. I would have, be all about we, it. We should have you tell that story on the ghost hunters. Ooh, that would be good. Yeah. That'd be good. I like watching a lot of like ghost hunter shows. I could get on that for sure. Yeah. Oh, you know what? We can get Rob Lowe and his sons to come. Why? Have you never seen their ghost hunting show? Oh, they have a ghost hunting show? Yeah, Rob Lowe and his two sons. Um, I believe it's on A&E. And yeah, they go ghost hunting. Okay, well, now I'm going to mark this. i got to check out Rob Lowe's ghost hunting stories. I bet you could get him here. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> I, I just look. Oh, I would totally have Rob Lowe here. Oh, I'm sure he would love it. He's, he just seems like a great dude. Um, and if he did, if he did a, a ghost stories and, you know, you were on there and, you know, maybe some people would come out, you know, that would be fun. Yeah, do, do that. ghost stories night. I wonder if we, do you think we'd scare people away from attending us, like movies? Because like, ah. oh, that's haunted. I don't want to go there. Maybe, but I feel like your audience for the music box for people who want that, you know. Want an experience. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> if you don't want the experience, I don't know, go to the Siskel. You want a ghost experience, come to the music box. <laughs> That's true. We are old and haunted, I guess. And um, I, was, it was, I always felt more haunted in this building than at the, the patio. 
oh, or okay. at, uh, yeah, yeah, oh God, where else did I use Project? Uh, the Portage. Or at the Portage. Yeah, even that yeah. one was pretty creepy, but this one was always... What I about the 400? That's old one. I've never been in the booth at the 400. Oh, okay. But what about just the theater itself? You ever feel haunted at the 400? Um, I feel... Because they're <laughs> older than us, the, the um, 400 is. It is, but it's like, it's, it's really redone in there. And yeah, it like, it, it kind of seems like a strip mall. Yeah. So okay. it doesn't seem as creepy. It's changed up. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't doesn't hold the creep factor. Mm, yeah, there are no like red like velvet curtains and that sort of thing. So uh, so you used to project when we only had analog. Um, well, we didn't only. We primarily when we primarily because now occasionally now we, we, we would do DCPs. Now. Yeah, right. We used to do two back in the day like HD cams and beta cam tapes. Right. We have those old decks that they're just sitting collecting dust now. You know. Well, actually, no. I pulled it out once for a random screening a year ago or two years ago. I think it was. Um, but really, we have these old, old school decks, old school, not old school, but whatever. Yeah, it's like, I'm like, oh my God, it's only been 10 years and all that stuff is completely. Yeah, it's not it obsolete, but it's unnecessary. Um, but yeah, so there used to be these things called HD cam and, and beta cam, right? And these were like high def, like VCR or Yeah, VHS. they're like big videotapes, essentially. And I think we used to primarily use those during like film festivals for smaller films would be delivered that way if they couldn't like afford to strike a print. Um, but now everything's digital, so you don't have to worry about that. Everything is just a file that flies through the air. <laughs> right, and then downloads to an actual device. Um, but yeah, these, these decks were huge and these tapes were, well, the HD cam tape was massive and the beta cam tape. They're the same size. Same size. Um, yeah, and, but they are quality. I mean, they, they, would, they would show a pretty good, decent picture and sound, for sure. We keep all of, like, the music box films, older films, all those masters are on, like, digibetas and that sort of thing still. And we have, a, like, a, an archive of some sort? Yes, I keep an archive of all of our masters of all of our old films, uh, 35 prints of all of our old films, so... We I'm should. not going to say where that vault is. No, don't. We don't <laughs> There's need to a share secret that. vault that all that I'm, stuff's in. I'm sure you can guess what area of the country, but that's as far as we need to go. Um, yeah, we should show some of those old things um, at the theater because we can, we can do all of that. You know, that's one of the, as you remember, it's one of the things we cared about was keeping our old, our, the analog technology as well as integrating with the new technology because had to do it to survive. What's I mean, your take? Are you, uh, are you, do you, do you go out of your way to find, to watch analog or are you, do you like good digital Digital stuff. I'm, I'm film, film, film all the way. I mean, I, I transitioned from the theater over to the film's office because celluloid film died and we did not need nearly as many projectionists right. here and at other theaters in the city where I was projecting. So that was a sad day. You and a lot of other people had to, you know, kind of figure out where to transition. You know, a lot of projectionists um, lost their jobs or um, pivoted in some way. Um, well, because it, it just it happened so fast. The change, like it was so fast, it was insane. Within, right. I'd say, within a few months, we went from primarily showing film to primarily everything digitally, just in less than a year, for sure. Wow. Well, great to have you on, Lindsay. Great to be here, Ryan. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you very maybe we, much. Maybe we can have you on again and and maybe tell some other some other stories about the oh, music box. Oh, I got box. all the stories about the music box. Well, all I'll, the I might stories. have to filter them first <laughs> to see which ones we want to put on. But uh, I know you have some stories for sure, and I think our listeners would enjoy listening to some of those. So um, yeah, so uh, maybe uh, to the to the next time. Absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. Bye, guys. Bye. All right. And thank you, Lindsay, for that great uh, ghost story and background of your, your time here at the Music Box, as well as a little bit of the in- information about our sister company, Music Box Films. So let's review uh, movies coming up for this Friday that you uh, want to know about. We've got Damsel, sorry, not Damsel, 
wrong note. Uh, we have uh, Three Identical Strangers opening on uh, Friday, July 6th. Uh, the Michael Curtiz retrospective continues with Seahawk at 11.30 a.m. Our Midnights are Mad Max, Fury Road. Robin Williams film series continues with Mrs. Doubtfire on July 10th. And I want to thank Kyle and I want to thank Michael for joining us on this podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And as always, please rate our podcast or send us comments or questions on the podcast or just email us directly. I mean, all of our information is up there on our website. We love hearing back from you. And as you know, we, uh, we do take some of your suggestions and comments and uh, put it out there. So uh, have a great week. We hope to see you at the box.